What would you like for Christmas? I want an official Red Rider carbon action two inch Wayne's ball arrow. No, shoot your eye out. He'll fight for freedom wherever there's trouble. G.I. Joe is there. You guys have got an ad with America's favorite old fart reading a book in front of a fireplace. Sure, Sir Isaac Newton unraveled the mysteries of gravity. But could he have unraveled the mysteries of Rubik's Cube? Hot Wheels. They're one of the ways I tell my kid I love them. They're each one of a kind. They're Cabbage Patch Kids. Only Atari makes the world's most popular home video game. I can't put my arms out! Only at Radio Shack. And why is the carpet all wet, Todd? I don't know, Margo. Hello and welcome to Members Only Studios. This is the special Christmas edition of Living in the 80s. And this, I'll be honest with you guys, this has got me more excited than any other episode I've done so far. Because I have got the best guest host I could ever handpick, my daughter Kayla. Hey. Kayla, how are you? Good, how are you? Doing good. You guys can't see her because like, we're doing this via <laughs> Zoom and she's smiling. <laughs> the smiling's her favorite. That's right. So um, we're going to uh, go through uh, our favorite Christmas movies. Um, you know, as a family, we would watch these movies every year, sometimes multiple times. Most of these, a um, couple other ones we won't, but we'll we'll talk about those when we get to them. But um, you know, it, I think everybody at, at Christmas time kind of pulls out their mu- their movie collection and they start looking at them and, and just watching ones. And we've watched them over and over again and they all bring us back. It's like those movies are as much a part of the Christmas season as, you know, the shopping and the decorating and the holidays themselves. It's like, you know, you have to watch a Christmas story every year. It's like a rule you have to. And if, if not TBS, make sure that you do. So, um, uh, what we're going to do, we're going to take a, a brief break here and then we're going to come back and uh we're, well first of all we're going to talk about the movies and then we're going to end up the show talking about christmas music so uh we'll do that and we will be right back thank you for listening to living in the 80s we want to take this opportunity to thank all of those that helped make this possible first and foremost we want to thank anchor for providing this platform for us to share this podcast We also want to thank Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Tuned In Radio, and about a dozen others. We also want to give a special thank you to Star1079.com and Roundtown Radio, where you can hear this podcast weekly. Also, be sure to check us out at our website at livinginthe80s.us and, of course, on our Facebook page, Living in the 80s. Thanks, and back to the show. Yeah. 
All right. Now, uh, before we get, what we're going to do, we're going to do our top five Christmas movies. And we discussed this and kind of, she sort of let me pick my top five just because she, she's, she's a daddy's girl and she, you know, she loves her father and she kind of lets me have my way. And, you yep. know, I appreciate that. So, yeah, no <laughs> but one we're going to do that would probably be just outside our top five is one of Kayla's very favorite movies um, growing up. Now, now, first of all, one thing you have to understand about Kayla, <laughs> she is like the female equivalent of the holiday cheermeister. So she, if she had her way, she would leave the Christmas tree up all year long. Mm-hmm. Um, she, uh, I make fun of her. And July, when she wants to start watching the Hallmark movies and all that other junk that they she have does. Christmas in July for a reason for people like me and Crystal Lamaster. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that that's very true. There are some of you crazy people that buck all tradition and decide <laughs> that hey, it's July. I should come in from my time at the pool and watch a Christmas movie. What I'm not way to one cool of those you down. Do what? So what better way to cool you down? A popsicle. <laughs> okay. Or in Leah's case, like 400 of them. <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, she would watch Christmas movies all, all year round. So currently, Kayla, tell them about, now her birthday is November 21st. So Kayla, tell them about in your adult life, your birthday regimen every year? So, you know, my birthday is November 21st, which is like, you know what, a week before December. And my family and I, I've kind of forced it on them. So um, we, every year for my birthday, no sooner, because, you know, you'd probably have some words for me, but, um, we decorate <laughs> sure. like, I, like, Oh, how dare you do that? You're out of the will. <laughs> no, we, um, decorate. We take the whole entire day of my birthday and we spend the entire day decorating our house for Christmas. And it's, it's become an every year thing. And I told the girls this year, I said, I don't care how far away you move from our house. You will always come back on my birthday and you will always help us decorate for Christmas because that's the, all that I want for my birthday is just to decorate for Christmas because it's so much fun. Hey, you know, I, I will confess it is fun. Um, was it last year or the year before uh, it, it, it fell? The way her birthday falls is kind of crazy because sometimes it's like just before Thanksgiving. Sometimes it's almost, a you know, a week before or whatever. Mm-hmm. But a couple years ago, like I had the day off. So uh, like she lives about an hour from me. So I, well, not quite an hour. It takes a long time to get there. 45 um, minutes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I, I drove down there. Um, we had lunch together, all of us together on her birthday. And uh, she invited me back to to decorate with them. And it is it is a lot of fun. Still too See? soon See? for me. But it was a but, it was a lot of fun, and it was, yes. it, and you know what? Um, so many Christmases uh, I have spent with you, and uh, like to me, um, you know, like I I flash back to like growing up as a child, and you know, like all the Christmas memories then, 
And then about the time you were born, again, not too long before Christmas, it's like the Christmas trajectory changed for me. Like now this little person is part of all these Christmases. Um, so, you know, between you and your mom and Alex, like there's so many Christmas memories that we had back then. Mm-hmm. And like I said, at the beginning of the podcast, uh, one of the, those things are the movies, uh, the movies that we just, we love and we enjoy, they've endured. So our just outside the top five movie is what Kayla? Prancer. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> So, Kayla, tell us about the plot of Prancer and why you love it so much. Okay, so it's about this little girl who her mother has just died, and she's kind of just trying to, she's distraught. She doesn't um, really feel like she fits in, but she's obsessed with Christmas, and her mom was also obsessed with Christmas. So she, um, like, Christmas is like her life, obviously, um, because she misses her mom so much, and Um, her dad kind of, uh, is distanced from her. Um, he's played by Sam Elliott and, uh, she, by the way, gives it automatically makes it a cooler movie with him in it. Now, if somebody like, like, you know, um, Scott Baio was there instead (laughs) or John Stamos or one of those guys, it it would not be as cool. We got Sam Elliott, his deep voice and his mustache. Yep brings it way up as far as I'm concerned. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you're fine. Um, so anyways, she is, she finds this reindeer, uh, and she basically, um, is convinced that it's one of Santa's and she's trying to convince everybody else in her life that this is one of Santa's reindeers and he gets injured and, um, she helps kind of nurse it back to health, uh, with the help of a local doctor And, um, and then, uh, the town finds out about, she's like trying to keep it a secret from her dad because she's keeping the the deer in the barn. Well, then the dad finds out and, um, sells it off to a, a, um, guy in town and she, um, leaves the house in the middle of the night one night to set it free because she's convinced that it's one of Santa's. And she gets hurt. You want me to spoil the ending? Oh, go ahead. I mean, you know, it came out in 89. So <laughs> if you haven't yeah, watched it by yeah, now. If you haven't seen it yet, <laughs> I'm sorry. You've had plenty of time. Now now you're going to find out the ending. So um, anyway, she gets hurt and uh, the town comes together and um, surprises her with a big Christmas party. And then her dad comes around and realizes how much he... Um, loves her and how much she means to him and she takes he takes her to basically let Prancer free and releases him back to Santa Claus there you go (laughs) that's a very good synopsis of that movie because I haven't seen it in years and and the stuff you're saying brought it all back because like I said she would watch Christmas movies any time of the year and it was not uncommon (laughs) for her to watch that in like March, Mm -hmm. like Christmas is over. You should be watching something else. But uh, anyhow, she would, she would put, you know, put her little VHS tape in and, and she would watch it and, and just make her day. So yes, it came out in 1989, did uh, just over $2 million at the box office. 
And uh, if you haven't seen it, it's a good family movie. Check it out. And uh, it's it, it's kind of uh, not the same as some of these other movies here. But, uh, you know, it, it was a you know good movie. So make sure to check out Prancer. Yes. Also, fun fact, the little girl that plays in the movie, she's from Lancaster, Ohio. Wow, which is where you live. Which is where I live. That's right. That that is that is very cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So, have you ever run into her at the grocery store or anything? No, <laughs> she doesn't live here anymore. <laughs> wow, she li- oh, she's in California and make it. She like makes movies now. Her her, her and her husband are directors. Oh well, what do yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, be sure to check out Prancer. Um, great to watch with the kids, and uh, you'll enjoy it. So. Yes, that was it. And now um, we're going to start our countdown. Number five. IBC presents live via satellite from New York, Bethlehem, Helsinki, West Berlin, and the Great Barrier Reef, Charles Dickens' immortal Christmas classic, Scrooge, starring Buddy Hackett, Jamie Farr, the Solid Gold Dancers, and Mary Lou Retton as Tiny Tim, hosted by Sir John Houseman. Scrooge, it will touch your every heartstring. That's right, it all starts on Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve on IBC. You'll love it. Number five is Scrooged. So this is movie came out in 1988, starring Bill Murray, also starring Karen Allen, Bobcat Goldthwait has a very memorable part. John Forsyth, Carol Kane. Uh, the soundtrack had Andy Lennox in it, Al Green. Um, great movie. Uh, modern take on uh, the Scrooge or Christmas Carol. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just a, it's a, a, a fun funny movie. So Bill Murray plays Frank Cross, who is a network executive and a tightwad. And uh, he grew up during the golden age of TV in the 50s and early 60s. And he ended up getting a, a job with the network doing a children's show. And he climbed the ranks. He eventually became um, uh, the head of the network. And, uh, you know, he you know how it goes, even if you've not seen the movie. Um, he kind of steps on the little people on the way to the top, including his brother, his secretary, everybody around him. He fires a, a well-intentioned idiot, which is who Bobcat Goldthwait was. Um, it was... Uh, is that how that guy uh, really talks? Um, you know what? That's kind of his character. But uh, I don't think he, he really talks like that. At least I'm going to look him up later. And I, forgot. I don't know if I've heard him talk any other way. Huh. So weird. Such a distinct voice. Yes. I first saw him in um, Police Academy. That's where I first saw him. And then he started. Did I think he talk he like that in that? that? Yeah. <laughs> he did. That is so strange. He's probably a little more over the top in Police Academy, though. Huh. But yeah. So this movie did $100.3 million at the box office. Wow. So this, coincidentally enough, Kayla, was released two days after you were born. Pretty good year. Yes, 1988. So um, you just saw this the other day after not seeing it for several years. For a long time. Yes. What were your thoughts of this? Well, I remember it being really scary when I was younger. So I, I refused to watch it until the other day. 
And it's still like, it's still kind of scary. The part, the part where the first um, ghost comes, his old boss, uh-huh. and he's like a dead corpse. That is terrifying. <laughs> like a mouse <laughs> crawls out of the back of his head and then goes back in. But they, the makeup was, was done really well. And I was yeah. very surprised for being in 88, how, how good they did. It really on, on all of the, the, um, the ghosts, they were done so well. So, so what, what is fun to me, it was hilarious because, and here's why. So that, that first ghost was, you know, that was, um, Frank Cross's boss yeah. uh, when he was younger and that was John Forsyth. So John Forsyth came, we first met him. He, he was on dynasty, but he was, he came from Charlie's angels and he played the part of Charlie. And Charlie was someone that we never saw on camera. Yeah. So hearing this ghost come out with, with Charlie's voice to us 80s kids, like, ah, that's hilarious. <laughs> Did you, so you knew that then when you saw it, that that's who that was? Oh, yeah. You can tell right away when he starts talking. <laughs> oh, now I'll have to go back and rewatch it and keep that in mind. I did not know that. And watch Charlie's Angels. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've and seen that. You'll keep that. seeing the ghost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that's um. Th- this was a this was a great movie. Um, it's one that um, uh, I, I I've watched several times. I probably watch it at least once every other year or so at Christmas time. I wouldn't say it's one that that I see and I watch over and over again. Yeah. But um. But yeah. It's good. Christ- yeah, it, it's good. Uh, the ending's really cool. Very uplifting. Um, good music in it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So you got anything else on this one or we want to move on to the next? Um, the soundtrack is soundtrack is by Danny Elfman. Who's like, you know, Oh yes. Really does really good. He does uh nightmare before Christmas. Um, I mean, he's done a lot of other, other things, but we, when we watched it the other day, David, my husband, he instant instantly knew that that was him just because it's such a distinct sound. And he was right. I was pretty uh, impressed by that. Danny like Elfman. Him. Danny Elfman was also in the band called Oingo Boingo. Oh, there you go. Like Didn't who's know that. Oingo Boingo? Did you ever see the movie Weird Science? No. I oh mean, you know what? I'm Kayla, sure I 80s have. Eighties homework. I... <laughs> what the name sure? of Randy Nathaniel Nelson the second? Are you smoking over there? My, well, my only defense is that. I'm just, you know, I'm a younger 80s kid, so. Yeah, but have you seen Breakfast Club? Well, yes. Who hasn't? Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Yes. Weird Science, another John Hughes movie. Okay. Oh, yeah. Nobody, nobody judge me, okay? I can hear all of you out there judging me right now. You know what? What does he have her on here? She hasn't seen Weird Science. Kayla, you've seen Prancer. When Randy was on here talking about action movies, that is one more movie than he knew. So <laughs> yes! no matter what you yes, do, I Randy. <laughs> that, that's not really saying a lot. <laughs> but my friend Jason Peitzmeyer was listening to the podcast and he'd come to me. He's like, why in the world would you have him on there talking about action movies? And I'm like, to humor myself, Jason, to humor <laughs> myself. <laughs> and so, just to make Randy feel good. Yes. So Randy did a very good job talking about cars and we were talking about, um, 
uh, serial of the eighties. Randy did a good job on that one too. <laughs> <laughs> was it, I can't remember what the podcast was. Anyhow, he did good. Um, but yeah, so be sure to check out Scrooge this year. Good comedy. You know, Bill Murray, anything with Bill Murray in it has got good. a great chance of being good. Yeah. He's uh, one of my favorite SNL alums. So, um, yeah, our number five movie was Scrooged. Number four. Merry Christmas, little fella. We know that you're in there and that you're all alone. Yeah, come on, kid, open up. We're not going to hurt you. Be a good little fella now and open the door. Our number four movie is Home Alone. <laughs> Someone out there somewhere is cursing at at the podcast right now. That's a 1990 movie, Rob. You're always telling us about on the Facebook page, uh, living in the 80s Facebook page, by the way, that we can't put stuff from the 90s and the 70s on there and well get over it get over it it's my little girl that's okay? right <laughs> but uh honestly that's one reason because it's one of her all-time favorite movies mm-hmm. but another reason is christmas movies in the 80s are generally crap they're so crappy. They're not very I'm many sorry. good ones. I mean, no. okay, the the next ones down on the list were the Santa Claus the movie, which was crap. Which is not uh, Tim Allen, by the way. Oh no, not the Santa Claus. No, no, it's, it's another one. No. And then uh, Ernest Saves Christmas. So, would you rather watch one of those two or Home Alone? It's what I thought. Home Alone. So, <laughs> uh, it's practically nineteen eighty. 1980s being done in 1990. Um, this uh, this is one of the uh, this is in the Hall of Fame of Kayla movies. Um, mm-hmm. Growing up, she would watch this thing year round. So much so that I could not even handle it. Like literally, you, it. you guys think I'm joking? <laughs> literally. It was not uncommon for her to play this movie in July. Not Why just once. Why wouldn't you? But Why over and over you? and over again. Uh, it's know. so good. It is not okay. Christmas movie aside, it is such a good movie. It is an awesome movie. I love it. I love number two also. Um, both are yes. great movies. I I could watch them over and over again between Thanksgiving and Christmas Day. But uh, see, here's what happens. If I watch a Christmas movie outside of the Christmas season, it kind of kills all the momentum for me. Like, I've got to build up to Christmas. Like, right now, like, I listen to Christmas music all day long. I'm working. I'm, you know, been working from home consistently since March. And I listen to Christmas music all day long. I'm in the shower. I'm listening to Christmas music. Me and Leah are upstairs playing Ruma cubes for the seven millionth time and we've got christmas music playing our our tree is up it's nine feet tall it is full of lights and decorations and it's beautiful and i love this time of year 
That's why I won't watch movies like Home Alone in July. See, you take all that you just said and bottle it up and just sprinkle a little bit of it in July at least. Six month mark. <laughs> and you get to you get to feel the, the excitement and joy it you know, one extra time of the year. Kayla, you sound like me trying to convince you to eat broccoli. <laughs> you just do don't like have a taste too. for it. <laughs> well, I think okay. you do like it now, though, don't I, you? I do, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's because I made you eat it when you were little. <laughs> Actually, that was that was more of your mom's thing. I wouldn't force feed that stuff on you. Good. Yeah. So um, this movie, like we said, released in 1990. Um did $477 million at the box office. That is insane. And produced and written by guess who? John John Hughes. Hughes. He is our 80s guy. Remember Weird Science? Mm -hmm. Boingo, boingo. John Hughes. So, so many things in the 80s tie back to John Hughes. Even this 1990 movie ties back. So I guess you could say it's an 80s movie because John Hughes directed it. There you go. See? I'm trying to justify putting this on the list. <laughs> so Macaulay Calkin, uh, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern. Those are our three main players. This movie. Catherine O'Hara. Me, Catherine O'Hara. Yes. John Hurd played his dad. Uh, John Williams composed the music. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, this movie was like a Roadrunner and Wile E. Coyote movie. Or yeah. cartoon. So, Kayla, talk to us about Home Alone. What's the plot? What do you love about it? Uh, everything. <laughs> From the music, to the acting, to the um, excitement. So, it's about this little boy, Kevin. He despises his family. He feels like nobody loves him. They're all jerks. Um, he even calls them jerks. Yeah. And he... Uh, they're they're going on vacation and accidentally leave him at home because he's sleeping up in the attic and uh, they forget him and um what else these these robbers come and try to rob his the house the wet bandits the wet bandits yeah and um he. He comes up with this plan to basically get at them, and um, they he just torches them pretty much during this time. And all the while, his mom's trying to get back home to him because she realizes that she forgot him. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, he he just gives them exactly what they deserve. So uh, what else? <laughs> you, you're like haven't you seen this movie before <laughs> no no um, you're doing you're doing great you're never doing had great. to explain the movie before to anybody yeah you know, we, we, it's, it's funny because it. on here like a, a lot of times we assume people have seen these movies yeah that's the true music we talk about and sometimes they haven't so you're kind of you know sort of explaining the, to them how a peanut butter and jelly sandwich is made they've never had one before like take the peanut butter you put it on the bread so um, the soundtrack is, is really good. I know there's, um, uh, Southside Johnny does please come home for Christmas, which is really good. Rocking around the Christmas tree from Brenda Lee is in this one. Um, I can't remember if it's 
this one or the second one, the Tom Petty song uh, is in there. Um, it's totally escaping me now. But anyhow, there's a Tom Petty song in one of these movies. It's Christmas time again. That's it. I think it's in number two. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's it's so cool because you, you've got that that John Hughes formula of little tiny things spread throughout. Like like when he's home, you, you got to figure this kid's like nine years old. He's home yeah. alone, and he he manages to um, order a pizza. The, when the pizza boy pulls up and he's watching the, was it Angels with Filthy Souls movie? Yep, yep, that was and made specifically for that movie. It's not even a real movie. No, it's not. I, I wish it was. I'd watch it. I know. But uh, yeah, he played the little clips, and the pizza guy gets freaked out and scared. It, it make, it's funny to me because he like he hits his car with a yard jockey. Hits yeah, you know, the yard jockey with yeah. his car. Like every time he pulls up at the beginning of the movie and hits it and knocks it over and does it again later. It's like, it's sitting right there. Maybe he just hates yard jockeys. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Or why wouldn't they have like bolted it down so that that would not keep happening? That or find another pizza place. Was it little Nemo's little, no little Nemo's. I I, I don't don't think that's it. I forget. We have to watch it and see. But uh, yeah, it was uh, a little Nero. Was, Nero's? Yeah, I think yeah, little Nero's. I think you're yeah. right. Little Nemo's. <laughs> this is the <laughs> little this fish. Is made by fish. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is again another good family movie. Um, you know, if you if you haven't watched it in a while, go back and watch this. It's on Disney Plus right now, uh, so you should be able to find this one pretty easy. And um, yeah, check it out. Check out the second one. The thing is, they started. They kept. They made like four total, I think. Uh, I only know of three, but maybe four. The third one, it's not even any of the same actors. Yeah, and I don't think the fourth one is either. Yeah, so it's not like, worth yeah, your time. Yeah, one and two is all you need to know. So, yep. uh, anything else on Home Alone? If you haven't seen it, you're missing out. That's right. So, be sure check out Home Alone. You're welcome. Number three. Ellen and I want to help you give the kids a nice Christmas. Clark, I couldn't do that. <laughs> no, no, we, we insist. Oh, no, I'm not one for charity now. Oh, I know that, Eddie. This isn't charity, it's family. Oh, boy. <laughs> this is a surprise, Clark. <laughs> this is just a real nice surprise. Just a real nice surprise. Here's a little list. Alphabetical starting with Catherine. And if it wouldn't be too much, I'd like to get something for you, Clark. Something really nice. Our number three movie is an all-time classic comedy movie. I don't care if it's a Christmas movie or not, but it is a legendary comic comedy movie. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, starring the one and only Chevy Chase, also starring Columbus's own Beverly D'Angelo. Did you really, she, did you know that? She's actually from Upper Arlington. Yes. Well, technically, yes. But yeah. um, her dad used to be the uh, station manager at Channel 10 here in Columbus. And uh, so. Um, also, another known fact. Yes. Because I have Wikipedia up. Did you know that her grandfather helped design the horseshoe? No way. Yeah. I knew I lots of stuff her. out on the internet. 
Yeah, if it's on the <laughs> internet, it's got to be true. That's right, right. <laughs> uh, also, we get Juliette Lewis in this movie, and who, in in my opinion, for my money, is the best Audrey out of all yes, of the Audrey. Yes, what any other one? Horrible. Yeah, she is the Audrey. Yep, she she's Audrey. The other ones aren't. No. Right. But also here is a young Johnny Galecki who played Leonard Hofstetter on uh, Big Bang Theory or Hofstetter. I can't remember. Anyhow, he's Leonard <laughs> <laughs> and um, not the best Rusty, I don't think. Really? Yeah, I think the best Rusty is Anthony Michael Hall. Well, no. He's a, yeah, well, we can I just see him as the Breakfast Club. So. Well, before Breakfast Club, he was Rusty Griswold. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, he was a um, great movie. Um, this is one that is on my short list of movies I must watch every Christmas season. Me too. Um, in fact, I just watched it Sunday. <laughs> I watched it last night. See, it, it, it this movie, beginning to end, it, there is, every time I watch it, it does, it seems like there's something that, that, Something new that I see, you know, maybe for the first time every time, but um, just, whether it's something that's said, whether it's something that's implied, a, um, a facial expression, a noise, um, <laughs> it, it just, it just something in this, uh, something about this movie that just, just makes me, I, I, it just keeps pulling me back in. So It's a very quotable movie, too. Oh my goodness. Oh, it's so fun to just sit there and talk with it, which yes. is annoying to people watching it with you. But, you know, if you're, you know, in good company that will do it with you, it's very fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If, you, if you've got people that know the movie, that is hilarious. So, yeah. uh, Kayla, talk to us about the plot of this movie. All right. Well, you have Clark Griswold, the dad, and he's wants to be this all-American dad, so he takes his family to go cut down a Christmas tree. The, and the Griswold family Christmas tree. There you go. I was waiting for it. And um, he actually, which I noticed the other night, he did not cut it down. It is pulled up from the root. Oh, yeah. He did yeah. not remember? He, he didn't. How, he, he yeah, forgot yeah, the chainsaw. He forgot us. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. It doesn't show us how he gets it. I would love to see, like, maybe extended <laughs> clip of that, like, Let's do this scene where, you know, whatever, but, like, oh does, my gosh. Does he, tie, does he tie a rope around it to the bumper of the car and just <laughs> drive away? <laughs> oh my gosh. So anyways, he gets this tree. He's very proud of it. A lot of sap. And uh, he has his whole family come over to put on this all-American Christmas get-together. And Cousin Eddie shows up, this little hill jack. I don't. I, there's like no words for cousin Eddie. He's just. There's one word for cousin Eddie. What? Circleville. <laughs> no. <laughs> Randy, Randy Nelson's probably like Rob. <laughs> I Randy kid. is from Circleville. I can't. Well, yes, lives so, in Circleville. so are so are some of our other listeners. I shouldn't yeah. alienate. <laughs> the Circleville's a fine little Mayberry type town. Wonderful. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> All right, so anyways, uh, Clark. Um, okay, so so it's maybe more of a West Portsmouth 
like a Matt Taylor okay. kind of vibe. I could I could see Matt and Cousin Eddie hanging out. Man, would that be Matt, fun? For Matt's uh, enjoyment. So <laughs> I could see that. Okay. You and Bird calls together. Yes. Anyways. Uh, so, um, where was I? Uh, oh. Cousin Eddie shows up. Cousin Eddie shows up and puts on this show for his family. And uh, then Clark is trying to get this. He is expecting this big work bonus and um, is going to put in a family pool and finds out that he does not get a work bonus. But what does he get? A Jelly Jelly the Month Club. club. Yes. Um, And goes off on a tangent about how he hates his boss and he wants da-da-da-da. And... Um, so cousin Eddie goes and gets his boss, and brings him back, and um, he never does get his pool, does he? Well, we we assume that he gets his pool because he gets the bonus. Okay. Because he said that's what he's going to do with the bonus. Yeah. Mister Shirley shows up and says, "Oh, take it at twenty percent." <laughs> that was good. Oh, thanks. Brian Doyle Murray is one of the most underappreciated actors in American cinema. Wow. You hold okay, him Rob, high, huh? whatever you say. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he basically fulfills this family Christmas wish that he wants, but in a really weird and crazy way with the help of Cousin Eddie. So, yeah. Right? That, you, you got it. That, that's pretty much it. So along the way... Um, there's lots of, there's a countdown to Christmas because you keep seeing the advent box open and close. And, and so we know that they were counting down days until Christmas and everything from Clark trying to get the Christmas lights, just perfect to him going to the department store to imagining the pool through the window at night, taking the sled down the hill with the, (laughs) Running into Walmart, lubricant. Oh my gosh! When he goes, <laughs> when he, uh, when when cousin Eddie is standing there, and he gets to the bottom of the hill, and Eddie goes, "Bingo!" Cracks <laughs> me up. Just little things throughout that movie, like the next day when Eddie's draining out his sewage into the oh into the sewage, uh, he finds the saucer. <laughs> the, the, the He's like, "Oh, what can I use this he for?" He picks it up and looks at it like. Hmm. Like, could this be worth something in the scrap metal industry? I don't know. <laughs> so, so what are your what are a couple of your favorite quotes from this movie? Quotes? Oh my yeah. goodness! Yeah, or one liners, just little things that always make you just. Kind um. Of- uh, it's real nice, Clark. That's one of my favorite ones. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of of cousin Eddie lines, one of my favorite is is uh, I bet you're surprised, aren't you, Clark? I wouldn't, couldn't be more surprised if I woke up with my head so into the carpet. carpet. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you, every single time that cracks me up. And another one that that gets me every time is the next door neighbors. Um, Oh, yeah. Todd and Margo. Flies to the window. Why is the carpet all wet, Todd? I don't know. I don't know, Margo. I, like, I keep seeing on Facebook where I should order that shirt. Like Facebook wants me to order a shirt that says, I don't know, Margo. You totally should. I should. That, I that should. is a shirt worth having. Yeah. And I would maybe wear that in the middle of the summer. If I had that t-shirt, I would wear it. You cannot wear that in the middle of the summer. If you're going to boycott Christmas in July. 
I could do that. No, that I would allow shirt. That doesn't mean I'm listening to Christmas music or watching a Christmas movie or decorating. You're representing Christmas outside of the Christmas time frame. I love me some Jesus. So I represent Christ all year long. That's totally And if I've got to wear a, a, um, a shirt that says, I don't know, Margo, to express that love, that's what I will do. All right. Never. <laughs> this show's gone off the rails. Okay. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that's that's another one of my favorites. When when he's got the sap all over his fingers trying to read the magazine, mm-hmm. and it gets into, um, uh, into his, why can't I think of her name? His wife in her hair. Well, I keep thinking Beverly. But that's her real name. Yeah, Beverly D'Angelo is her real name. Um, so it keeps getting in her hair. Um, that makes me laugh. The, the um, Ellen. Uh, Ellen, yes. When uh, when the lights won't work and his dad says, Clark, uh, if you need me, I'll, I'll be inside asleep. <laughs> like, oh, uh, go ahead. His own little way of saying, don't bother me with this. Yeah, yeah. But he does uh, and- a smile. Another one was um, the blessing. The blessing. Alex <laughs> does that better than anybody. Have you ever seen Alex do that? Probably. <laughs> like Alex, like Alex is her brother, my son. Like he, he's he's a funny, funny kid. He's but he doesn't really do impressions like that kind of thing. <laughs> but that he nails. Like he's he points to his mouth and says it just like that old guy. So um. Maybe uh, <laughs> maybe we'll I'll have, have him have, on here one time and yeah, I have to have a recording of Alex. Yeah, you know what? Forget it, Alex. How does this sound? Blessing. They want you to say the blessing. Exactly. See, <laughs> did I call it? Did I nail it? <laughs> yep, that was good. <laughs> oh my goodness! Too funny. Too funny. So um, yeah, Christmas vacation. Like I could, I could watch this over and over it, it to me it ranks up there with like the breakfast clubs of the world as far as well it is john hughes yeah it is so um this movie um again incredible movie it did 72.9 million dollars at the box office came out december 1st of 1989 so it just made it into the 80s uh and uh we are we are better for it so did you go see it in the theater uh, no, I didn't. I think I probably saw it. I probably didn't see it till like 1990, probably when it came out on VHS a year or so later. Um, but uh, no, I did not see it in the theater, unfortunately, but I did love it and still do. Anything else on Christmas vacation? No. We can spend hours on it. Uh, if you guys want to hear a little more different perspective on Christmas vacation, uh, the podcast that we did a few weeks ago about John Hughes movies. We talked about this at length. So you can check that out too and add this to that. And you've got a, the complete synopsis and history and everything you ever need to know about Christmas vacation within these two podcast episodes. So, all right. So um, number three was Christmas vacation. Number two. Yeah. Parker? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, what is it? I don't know. What's in it? Ah, fragile. It must be Italian. This is a lamp. 
It was indeed a lamb. What a great lamb. It reminds me of the 4th of July. Turn off all the lights. I want to see what it looks like in the street. Uncle Gibson, the dining Couldn't we talk this over? Hey, Parker, what is that? Don't bother me now, sweetie. Can't see I'm busy. Yeah, but what is that? It's a major award. Our number two movie is one we all know and love, of course, A Christmas Story. Woo-hoo! Yes. So this movie, speaking of quotable movies, this movie is extremely quotable. I mean, everybody knows you'll shoot your eye out. But uh, throughout the entire movie, um, they do such an outstanding job. Of course, I'm pretty sure nobody listening in this audience grew up in like the 1939-1940 era when this movie was released or not released uh, when it's, when it's, it's based on that time period. So I'm pretty sure none of us were alive then, but to me, it feels like they do such a great job at capturing what was going on back then. So um, Kayla, give us the rundown of Christmas story and the plot. And then we'll talk about why it's so awesome. Okay. Uh, Well, it's about this little boy named Ralphie and this one year of his life at Christmas. Um, I think he's like nine, 10 years old. And Ralphie wants a, I, I, I think he's about 12. He feels like he's about 12 to me. 12. Yeah, I he think so. really seen 12. That's uh, kind of maybe old. Not. Maybe he's nine. They never tell but us. That kind of seems kind of young. Anyway. Yeah, he, well, Anyways, I mean, he's a about, young boy. About, well, think about him versus Kevin McAllister in home alone. And Ralphie yeah. like had, had more adult teeth, I think. I don't know. That's how you base your knowledge off of your children. Of course. (laughs) All right. Well, Ralphie was a young boy. Is that better? Okay. (laughs) This is before his teenage years. Yeah, he's Uh, definitely definitely not a teenager. Yeah. That comes around in Home Alone, too. There you go. Or, I'm sorry, in um, Christmas Story, too. Ew. Have you seen that? Yeah, it's not very good. It's not him though, right? It's not. It's not. No, uh, it's it's not Peter Billingsley. It's yeah. some other dude. I mean, it's not terrible, but when you compare it to this one, compared it's, to yeah. So I'm sorry. Anyways, it's about Ralphie when he was a young boy, and he for Christmas wanted a Red Ryder BB gun, and everybody in his life kept telling him, "No, no, no! You should dry out. You should dry out." Um, his mom, his teacher, everybody, Santa Claus, his dad. Um, so, you know, they go through the movie and his main goal is to try to convince these adults in his life that he needs this gun, that he wants this gun. So, um, he, uh, wakes up Christmas morning doesn't have his gun and then his dad points around the corner and he's like hey what's that and this this present sitting over there it's like one of the most glorious scenes in a movie it's like oh my gosh um when he opens up this bb gun he finally got it they don't say but you know his dad gets it for him and um then he goes outside to shoot his gun and it ricochets off a piece of metal and shoots his eye 
knocks his yeah. glasses off. I'm sorry. Knocks his glasses off. Yeah, because it, it hits an icicle, and the icicle comes and hits the glasses. No, he says, he tell, that's what he tells his mom. Oh. He tells his mom that it hit an icicle. Actually did. Okay. No, no it, Oh, it, that's he, right. He shoots it at it. The, yeah. the target, and it ricochets off the metal piece that he puts the target yep. on, and it. You got it. That's right. Knocks his glasses off, and it cuts his eye, at the bottom of his eye. And yes. then he's. So anyways, he steps on his glasses trying to find them and makes up this big story that the icicle does it. And Yeah. Um, so yeah, but then it ends, the movie ends with him uh, falling asleep in bed Christmas night with the gun under his arm and the glistening of the snow falling outside. And it's such a magical movie. <laughs> I love it. And she's smiling real big talking about it. <laughs> so good if you don't like this listen you know what's sad i remember being little and i don't know if it's just that i didn't understand the movie but i didn't really like it very much really yeah which makes me sad for myself (laughs) (laughs) because it's so good and now it's like you know one of my top five favorite christmas like it has to be you have to watch it every christmas season yeah yeah you have to with the glow of the christmas tree shining on your face while you watch it Maybe eating Chinese food. Perhaps. Yes. Not duck. Because Not duck, just, no. no. I, I'm more of a uh, general so's or sweet and sour chicken kind of guy. Well, I'm more of like chicken fried rice. Yeah, keep yeah. it basic. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like Kayla said, th- th- this movie, it, it is, I mean, it is kind of magical. It does... I think when a good movie takes you from where you're at and makes you feel like you're somewhere else, it's doing a good job at what it's doing. And in this case, it takes us to rural or not rural. It's supposed to be a small town. Suburban. In, yeah. Suburban town in, in Indiana. Actually, uh, the, it was filmed in, um, in Cleveland. Um, yeah. me and me and Alex, uh, my son went to, um, went to the house and, um, it's pretty cool. We didn't go in museum like, now. Y- y- no, yeah. no, the house you can tour, the museum's across the street. Oh, okay. So like we got there and it's like a long line <clears> and wait to get in. So we just kind of went and looked in the windows and went over across the street to the museum. And so, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was fun. Like the Bumpus's house next door is like a bed and breakfast. Oh, so cool. yeah, no dogs. I'd love but, to go there one day. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, the Higby's Department Store, I've been there. It's in Cleveland. It's not open anymore. Um, it Is sold it still out that? Day. No, it's, I think it's, I don't know if it's anything now, but the last time I saw it was just like an abandoned store in downtown Cleveland. Man, I bet somebody can make a lot of money remaking that into uh, Higby's. You would think. You would think. Kind of restore the old glory of what the store, I mean, it was a staple in, in that area for many years uh, from back in the 1920s on. So um, they, they got that right. Um, yeah, this movie uh, again, I didn't actually see this movie until probably like 1987 or 88. Really? Um, Why so late? Well, it, it, it wasn't a huge box office hit and I'd never really heard of it to be honest with you. And, uh, when uh, I was dating your mom, we, uh, she had me watch it. I'm like, where's this movie been my whole life? (laughs) 
because <laughs> so much of it reminds me of being a young kid um, and um, kind of wanting that that one Christmas present, you know, that yeah. one. And, and my mom and dad did a great job every year um, of, of tracking down and finding whatever that one gift was. The, the one I remember the most, I was seven and I wanted a Lone Ranger action figure. And it was, is one of the hot toys that year. And, um, I, I was hoping, like, I couldn't even sleep the night before hoping that I would get this Lone Ranger action figure. And, um, I, 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 again, being the Snoopy kid, I'm like in my room with my ear literally against the door to see if I can hear what was going on. And I hear my dad say, how am I going to wrap this? And I hear my mom say, well, just do it like this. And me in my mind, I'm thinking it's the Lone Ranger because it's in a weird package because it, it had like the box that he was in and like a long flap against it. And sure enough, that morning I open it up and that flap is folded over. <laughs> it's Whoa. wrapped like that's the one he couldn't wrap good. So um, why did she do it if she knew how? Uh, she was probably wrapping something for <laughs> somebody. I don't know. Maybe she was making cookies. My mom's oh, pretty probably. amazing like that. Probably. So she, yeah. She's probably doing it all at once. But uh I it watching this movie makes me, you know, kind of puts me back in into like being like Ralphie, like wanting that present. And there's yeah. several things, you know, probably from the age of five or six on up to probably uh, ten, eleven, twelve that there was always kind of like that one thing that I'd really hoped for. And, um, like I said, mom and dad always came through, but yeah, going to see Santa and ho, 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 and just kind of boots him down the slide and, um, beating up Scott Farkas. That was great. Getting, you know, taking revenge on the bully. I mean, I could go on and on and on about this movie. And I think anybody listening, I would assume, <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know anybody that doesn't like this movie. I'm sure there's some people out there, but. Um, if you don't like it, then you're forced to like it because they play it 24-7 on Christmas Day. Yeah. So they, I don't know they if are... you're forced to like it, but you're forced to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, TBS, <laughs> since 19, I think it was 1992, I, I, I was looking today. Um, it's That's when they started doing this. Wow. And. They start sometime on Christmas Eve, like at say seven or eight o'clock at night, and they play it twenty-four hours. I don't watch it then because I don't like the commercials. So you know, I've got it on Blu-ray and I've got it on digital and every other way. I think I still might have it on VHS someplace. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is this is one of those just all-time classic feel-good movies. Um, if you have never seen it. Um, I don't think we could oversell it enough. Um, if you have seen it, I'm sure you know it and love it. And um, um, it's it's one of those staples in your household at Christmas, but it always wasn't ours. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So growing up, uh, we always, it was always, there's a, there's a couple movies that were like events, like some movies like Home Alone would just play all the time. Like, like this one. And then our number one movie, which I don't want to spoil it just yet, 
Um, this one is one that we absolutely had. We sat down as a family and watched yeah. it. Yeah. And even still, uh, when this is on and I'm watching it either with Leah or by myself, like I, I just, I stop what I'm doing and pay total attention to, to the movie itself. Cause it's that good. Yeah. They do a really good job too at, um, at aging it. You don't, it, this does not seem like an eighties movie to me. I remember no. when I found out this was an eighties movie, I was floored because it is so well done that you really feel like you're in that time. I, I, I think that's just super cool. Yeah, I, it, it puts me in mind of, of all the attention to detail they did in Back to the Future. Like when, yeah. when Marty went back to the 50s, like you can't, like sometimes you'll see a movie and they, they're not true to the hairstyles mm -hmm. or something. I don't know, Ralphie's mom's hairstyle looks a little A little 80s. bit 80s, yeah. But I with the exception they, of that. Yeah, well, again, she, you got to look at it this way. She is a typical housewife and it may maybe was more realistic for her to have her hair all loose and frizzy or whatever yeah, during the day true. because she wasn't going anywhere. Unlike, you know, the pictures we always see of the perfectly made housewife back then. <laughs> so that's very may, good observation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Never know. But, uh, the, the movie itself is based, uh, it's from author Gene Shepard, who actually was the narrator of the movie. And He's it's in a the series. Movie too. Do what? He's in the movie. I read the other day. Yes, he is. Yes. He, uh, when, uh, Ralphie's dad's across the street looking at the leg lamp, it's him that walks by with a beard and talks to him. So, um, it's, it's based on three short stories that Gene Shepard had written, um, about his childhood. Uh, so a lot of this is, you know, kind of loosely based on ex experiences that he had. And he, he actually, um, narrated these on the radio, you know, back in, uh, back way back before the movie was out. Um, and it was, uh, it was between like 1964 and 68 when these, when these aired oh. and, um, it became Bob Clark, the director actually had heard a, uh, one of the stories is called Flick's tongue, which is the whole story about Flick getting his tongue stuck to the flagpole. And that was in 1968 was when he broadcast that one. So it was, uh, it was kind of through that radio show that Bob Clark had the idea of let's, you know, get with this guy and make a movie and, and all three of them together created a Christmas story. So pretty good stuff. Anything else on this before we move on to our much awaited and anticipated number one movie? No. Nope. Okay. Then, um, Number two was Christmas Story. Number one. Hey, that's pretty good. What'd you wish, Mary? Buffalo gals, can't you come out tonight? tonight can't you come out tonight? Can't you come out tonight? Buffalo gals, can't you come out tonight? Dance by the light of the moon. What'd you wish when you threw that rock? Oh, no. Come on, no. tell me. If I don't, it might not come through. What is it you want, Barry? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Hey, that's a pretty good idea. I'll give you the moon, Barry. I'll take it. No, your ears aren't deceiving you. No, this is not some kind of a crazy time warp. 
our number one movie of the 80s is It's a Wonderful Life. That's right. <laughs> Remember how we mentioned earlier that Christmas movies in the 80s weren't that great? <laughs> well, in 1946, the best Christmas movie ever was made. <laughs> it's a Wonderful Life. And I can tell you, as a matter of fact, I did not see this movie until the 80s. So to me, it's an so 80s movie. So there you movie. go. Yeah. So that's, go. that's how I can justify it. counts. It. So, yes, this is another one that uh, has always been sort of a family event. Uh, not one that you would that I would ever allow to watch in the house unless it's Christmas time. Yeah. And then we made kind of a big deal out of it. I think we probably got pizza or something and just kind of sat down and like this is this is movie time and, and we all did this together. Um, Kayla, why don't you talk to us about what this movie is about? About old George Bailey. Old George Bailey. Should I say it in, in like the voices that the angels do when they're talking about George Bailey? Yes, please do. No, no, not really. <laughs> okay, so. Oh, come on. It would add so much to the movie. I can't talk like that. That's really good, though. No. <laughs> okay, so. We've been watching George for a long time. He's a fine <laughs> fellow. There, there oh, you go. he's a one, too. You, you tell it in that voice. No, you go ahead. <laughs> okay. okay, so the movie's about this man named George Bailey, who um, uh, they start the beginning of the movie, um, him as a little boy. Well, first they have these like little glow, glowy angels in the sky, and then they're it's like Joseph and God. Is that who's like supposed to be? Star constellations. Yeah, yeah. So they're supposed to be like looking down on George as he's a little boy and they bring in Clarence, Clarence, this other, this angel who has yet to have his wings. Third class. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, third class. And so they tell Clarence that they will give him his wings if they help George Bailey. So they show George Bailey as a young boy and he is with his, his brother and his friends and they're, they're flooding down this hill onto a, an ice pond and um his brother happens to fall through the water he george goes in after him and they both survive but george then goes deaf in one ear because of it and um then it flash forwards to george now and he um is a grown man who is wants to travel the world and um so he, his dad, George's dad, owns a building and loan company, a uh, business, and, um... The old Bailey Building and Loan. There you go. And George is convinced that he is not going to take over the family business, that he's going to go travel the world, and, um, well, then he meets this girl named... Well, he doesn't meet her. He's known her his, you know, their whole life, but this lady, Mary... And, um, she's always had a crush on him and, uh, and so anyways, they go to a dance together and on their way home from the dance, George finds out his dad has a stroke and has, is dying. He died, right? He, he had a stroke. So then he yeah. later finds out he dies. And so George, um, decides to put aside his travels and kind of helps sort out the family business. And, um, then, then he's trying to like, 
save it from going under from the evil what Mr. Potter who basically yeah. runs Old the town. Potter. Yeah. And um and then so the they anyways they decide oh we're going to we'll keep the the building alone if George runs it or George reluctantly agrees and um then ends up marrying Mary and they have a few kids and George is like just distraught over um the business and Potter and then they find out the business has lost some money and so George contemplates suicide because he just is like in over his head and this is a long movie (laughs) yes it is (laughs) and uh so while he's contemplating suicide Clarence shows up in person not as an angel as as a person and um kind of like helps George figure out his life and shows him what life would be like without him and basically convinces him not to commit suicide so George like uh doesn't believe that this is what the world would be like without him so he goes to visit you know each of these important members of his life and realizes that everyone was not better off um without him that things kind of were not good in his town when he wasn't around so he um asks Clarence to let him live again and uh and he kind of flash forwards then to George reality really and um and then he goes home and everyone is there and they all collected all this money to make up for the money that was lost um for the building and loan actually more money like an abundance of money and it ends with the best scene in movie history with his all of his family and friends and everybody in town and um Mr. Potter even telling him to go home and his family's missed him and it's just it is such a good movie it is like it is beyond amazing and wonderful and everything all those little words that describe it great things <laughs> <laughs> well you did a great job of describing that movie <laughs> so, i'm just as you're ta- as you're talking i'm visualizing things throughout the movie that are just playing out over in my mind i could mind. keep going but I, we would be here all night because like i said that's a long movie after i'm yeah, talking well, like it, oh my it, it is a it's a it's a very long movie i think it's like two two and a half hours yeah um so it's yeah it's very um very long but worth every single minute yeah don't don't watch it like don't start watching it like at 11 o'clock at night (laughs) you will you may fall asleep um but yeah it is um it took 3.18 million dollars to make this movie now this is in 1946 (laughs) so that's not like inflation and no that is actual dollars spent and it only made 3.3 million so it wow. just broke even. Now it's made a lot of money since then. Yeah. But um, at first it, it was not very well received. Um, it wasn't the blockbuster classic, whatever that we know it is now. Uh, but it, it has grown 
over time to become considered one of the best. Um, it's one of the 100 best movies. In fact, it's number 11 on the 100 best movies ever made on the American film Institute's greatest movie list. So that's, that's pretty, pretty good stuff. And in 1990, the film was designated as culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant and added to the national film registry of the library of Congress. Rightfully so. so. Yes, absolutely. So, um, uh, originally, um, there were, 170 actors that were considered for the part of George Bailey. And it came down to, um, to Jimmy Stewart and, uh, Henry Fonda, who was a very close friend of, uh, Jimmy Stewart. So, uh, they kind of decided, uh, Henry Fonda would take another role in, in the movie, my darling Clementine. And then Jimmy Stewart would take this one. So, um, I think this is the one that, um, that we remember. So, uh, one other person that was considered for the role of, 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 uh, of Mr. Potter. So this, I, I, I didn't know this until recently. So this, I just, I have to share this. Originally, um, one of the guys they considered was Vincent Price, who you may know from horror movies or that crazy laugh in thriller. Mm, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that guy. So, um, yeah. Yeah, he was he was uh considered for the role of uh of uh Mr. Potter, um, which actually, you know, of course, as we know, uh he did not get that role. And Lionel Barrymore, the I think he's the great grandfather of Drew Barrymore. Yeah, yep, I did know that. Is is the one who, who got the role. So uh just like Kayla said, this is an amazing movie. Um, we could watch it over and over again and it never, ever gets old. <laughs> so, um, yeah, if you, if you haven't watched this movie, go watch this movie. This will make your heart feel, feel full this Christmas season. Um, and that, that's why it, it, it made our list here. Um, again, not a whole lot of good movies in the eighties, uh, as far as Christmas goes. I mean, eighties had a ton of good movies and music and everything else, uh, we've got a whole Facebook page and a podcast dedicated to it. When it comes to Christmas movies, just a little bit lacking there. So, um, but everybody in the eighties, I'm sure this was a part of their life growing up. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah. sure it was. I know. It, again, like I said, I hadn't seen this until later in the eighties, but I did see it finally, and it's it's just it's absolutely wonderful. Um, uh, one of my favorite parts is is the swimming pool scene where uh, they're dancing alfalfa. in the pool. Yes, alfalfa. Um, I think it's Carl Switzer was his actual name. But uh, he is the one that uh, turned the key that got the pool open because he was upset because he wanted Mary and oh. she wanted George. So, And, you know, who can't watch this movie and not want to to sing along to Buffalo Girls. Buffalo, Buffalo Gals. Girls, can't you come out tonight? Can't you come out tonight? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, do we have anything else on um, on this one? No, it is just, it is definitely rightfully number one on our list. Good. And yes, we couldn't agree more. So we're going to take a brief break here. I want to come back and we're going to just briefly talk about, uh, our five favorite 
um, Christmas songs of the 80s. So don't go away and uh, we'll see you in a minute. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Number five. Our number five uh, best Christmas song of the 80s, Do They Know It's Christmas by Band-Aid. So this song, which I have liked ever since it came out, not everyone loves this song. This is a song that annoys some people. Um, I'm not one of them. Do you like this song? I do. I, I did not like this song before, and... I think after knowing why it was recorded, the meaning mm-hmm. behind it, it makes me appreciate it a little bit better. Yeah, uh, likewise. Um, well, I've always liked it, but I, you know, knowing what it's about does make you appreciate it, you know, more. Um, so the backstory to this is um, Bob Geldof, who um, you may or may not know who he was, but he was the lead singer of the British band Boomtown Rats. Uh, they were kind of a post-punk new wave sort of a, of a band and they were pretty big over there. They couldn't, you would not notice him or anybody in the band in a lineup here in the U S but basically Bob Gildolf, um had uh, him and Midge Ure, uh, from uh, uh, he was the um, uh, another British uh, rock star. He was with uh, Thin Lizzy uh, was his most popular gig. He did some solo stuff too. But um, they they had uh, they see these television reports about famine in Ethiopia, and it touched Bob Geldof so much um, that they you know kind of called in all of their friends and said, you know, I, I want to, uh, we, we need to, to do something. So they decided to make this song. And, um, this is like a who's who of, um, of, of British rock stars mostly, but a lot of these people, I'm going to, I'm going to read off the ones here that, that you, that are our, our audience here, typically had heard of. So Bono from U2, Adam Clayton, also from U2, uh, Phil Collins. Um, let's see here. Bob Gildolf, mm-hmm. we talked about Boy George, um, Tony Hadley from Spando Ballet. In fact, all of Spando Ballet was in it. Simon LeBon and Nick Rhodes from Duran Duran, John Taylor from Duran Duran, George Michael, um, Sting, uh, 
let's see. Um, uh, jo- Jody Watley. Yeah, there were, there were two American, uh, people here. Um, Jody Watley and then Robert Cool Bell from Cool and the Gang, who just happened, well, him and, uh, JT Taylor, also from Cool and the Gang, just happened to be in England. And, uh, they're trying to round all these people up and there weren't, you know, really any, um, a lot of them weren't available. So they got who they could. So these guys showed up and were part of it. And Paul Young is another one that you guys may recognize. Um, so these guys all showed up and just recorded the song as we know it. And, um, um, there, if you get a chance, there's a 12 inch single of this that has, it's longer and there's some spoken word parts on it, uh, by David Bowie, Paul McCartney, Holly Johnson from Frankie goes to Hollywood and a lot of the other stars on the, on the record itself. So, uh, this was a huge hit. Uh, it went to number one in England in, uh, 1984. And then it reentered the charts at number three in 1985 in England and in the U S it went to number 11. So it was a pretty big hit. Um, again, we still hear it at Christmas time now. Like I said, it annoys some people, not me. Definitely they not. Did do, they did remake it later. Did you know that? Yes, they did. Like did you like it? 2010. Well, mm, it's like they tried too hard. Kind of. There, there are a few people that were in that that group of it that I like, but you know, I, I prefer the original. I guess. Yeah, me too. It's um, it, when I hear that that come on, I always like listening to the twelve inch version to hear the longer stuff and more vocals and a lot of other crap. But I'm weird like that, so most people might not. Well, most people would want to hear that once and go, okay, that's cool. Just don't hear the original. I'm good. So, um, yeah, that was our uh, our number five song. Number four. number four song people that know me are probably pretty surprised that i like this song so much but it just sounds like christmas to me (laughs) last christmas by wham so the other day i'm watching this um like i i've watched a video a hundred times and it shows up on the 80s page this month during all the in fact i think it was day one on um on the song of the day so in case you don't know, um, through the month of December, starting the 1st through the 25th, the song of the day is, is a Christmas song. And then the hidden gem of the day, which I always put on there, is like a lesser known song. Uh, also from the 1st to the 25th are uh, Christmas songs as well. And day one was last Christmas, uh, just because it's cool. Anyhow, the other day I'm watching it I'm at my mom and dad's house. And they just had this, um, their TV, I think it had this nice 55 inch Samsung thing and the picture is just dynamic and it's a 4k restored version of this video came on and Kayla was there. We're like, that just looks like it was just made. (laughs) So it was so like the scenery was so beautiful and the snow and the, you know, everything, but had to make um, up for the music. What's that? 
But it had to make up for the song. You don't like the song. I do not like this song. Why don't you like this song? Oh, it's just so ugh, lame. Last <laughs> Christmas I gave you my heart so the very next day you could give it away. That is yeah. so sad. You know. And it's like so it be, and you know, it's just, I don't like it. But you, you know, know what? You do, so. On the other side of love songs, there are also breakup songs. Mm. It's they, Christmas. It shouldn't be sad like that. Well, did you see the video at the end of the, at the video, they're back together again. Doesn't sound like it's going to last. <laughs> uh, it may last till next Christmas. Who knows? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> But yeah, this is a, you know, a Wham song, um, you know, just like every other Wham song, it's mainly George Michael, but, um, it's, uh, you know, it's a good song, um, to me, maybe not to everyone, maybe not everyone likes it. To enough people because they play it on the radio all the time. They sure do. So, (laughs) yep, it's cheesy, it's 80s, poppy, whatever, but man, just like sweet syrup on pancakes, it just tastes good. Yes, I am probably the only person doing a podcast this week that has compared Wham to maple syrup. (laughs) But I did it. So, that's our number four song. Number three. And by the way, I didn't preface this at the beginning of the music discussion, but this top five list is just something that I just decided I wanted to make. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't get a poll from anybody because uh, like a lot of stuff, and, and as I was going through the, the song of the week and the hidden gem and stuff, like uh, there's a lot of songs that like were late 70s, early 90s that I like better than some of these 80s songs but I, I try to stay true to the decade. And this song here is one of my favorite go-to Christmas songs every single year. Like I have never got tired of this chipper bouncy little song. <laughs> I this like this is... song. It it's, it plays in an episode, an early episode of the Gilmore girls. Well, there so every is. time I hear it, it makes me really happy. Cause that's, you know, my all time favorite show. And every time I hear it, I think of the 80s. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Because it sounds, it just <laughs> drips of yes. 80s-ness. The video does, the song does. So the Waitresses uh, were a moderately successful new wave band. Um, they, um, let's see, uh, they have, um, they had a couple marginal hits um, I know what boys like. You may have heard that one. Um, they also sung the theme song to Square Pegs, which was in an early 80s uh, show starring Jamie Gertz and Sarah Jessica Parker. Um, so, And they even made an appearance on that show. So, yeah, they had a nice little... Uh, I'm sorry, it was not... Um, it wasn't Jamie Gertz. It was Amy Linker. She looks like Jamie Gertz, so in my mind it's Jamie Gertz that plays that part. So don't mind me. It's just another one of the many errors on this show for those of you that enjoy fact checking. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, this song uh, it tells the the tale 
of a girl that uh, meets a guy and then all year long they just keep missing each other and, you know, whatever. But they run into each other at the A&P on Christmas Eve because they both forgot cranberries. Uh, so they end up doing, uh, getting together and, um, the rest is romantic eighties Christmas history. How's that? Cute song. Cute song. Yes. So, uh, lead singer, Patty Donahue with, with her, you know, distinctive voice there. Uh, she passed away in 1996 from lung cancer. Uh, she was a heavy smoker. I think she was only, uh, she was only 40 years old. So, yeah, very sad. Um, but, you know, she left us this wonderful, um, wonderful song that, you know, gets played by me quite a bit. As I go through my Christmas music playlists, and I've got a few of them, this one is definitely on there. So I've probably heard this, oh gosh, already about a half dozen times in the last it, week. It does so. surprise me that you like the song. It doesn't seem like a song you would really like. Really? Yeah. Because I'm like more of a rock and roll snob kind of a guy. Yeah. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no. No, part of me likes that whole new wave thing and that kind of like that sassy, flirty little waitress's sound just always appealed to me. So, yeah, this is a good song. Uh, anything else? Not a ton of... <laughs> there's not a lot to talk about when you're talking about certain yeah. particular obscure well, I don't know how obscure it is yeah, it's kind of obscure 80s song but uh yeah um that's 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 our number three and by the way I didn't preface this at the beginning of the music discussion but this top five list is just something that I just decided I wanted to make <laughs> so I didn't get a poll from anybody because like a lot of stuff, and, and as I was going through the, the song of the week and the hidden gem and stuff, like a, there's a lot of songs that like were late 70s, early 90s that I like better than some of these 80s songs, but I, I try to stay true to the decade. And this song here is one of my favorite go-to Christmas songs every single year. Like I have never got tired of this chipper, bouncy little song. <laughs> I this like this is, song. It it's it plays in an episode, an early episode of the Gilmore Girls. Well, so every time I hear it, it makes me really happy because that's you know my all time favorite show. And every time I hear it, I think of the eighties. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. It sounds it just <laughs> drips of eightiesness. The video does, the song does. So the waitresses uh, were a moderately successful new wave band. Um, they, um, let's see, uh, they have, um, they had a couple marginal hits. Um, I know what boys like, you may have heard that one. Um, they also sung the theme song to Square Pegs, which was in, an early eighties uh, show starring Jamie Gertz and Sarah Jessica Parker. Um, so, and they even made an appearance on that show. So yeah, they had a nice little, uh, I'm sorry. It was not, um, it wasn't Jamie Gertz. It was Amy Linker. She looks like Jamie Gertz. So in my mind it's <laughs> Jamie Gertz that plays that part. So don't mind me. It's just another one of the many errors on this show. For those of you that enjoy fact checking, um, <laughs> Uh, 
so yeah, this song uh, it tells the the tale of a girl that uh, meets a guy, and then all year long they just keep missing each other, and you know whatever. But they run into each other at the A and P on Christmas Eve because they both forgot cranberries. Uh, so they end up doing uh, getting together, and um, the rest is romantic eighties Christmas history. How's that? Cute song. Cute song. Yes. So uh, lead singer Patty Donahue with, with her, you know, distinctive voice there. Uh, she passed away in 1996 from lung cancer. Uh, she was a heavy smoker. I think she was only, uh, she was only 40 years old. So yeah, very sad. Um, but you know, she left us this wonderful, um, wonderful song that, you know, gets played by me quite a bit as I go through my, Christmas music playlists and I've got a few of them. This one is definitely on there. So I've probably heard this. Oh gosh. Already about a half dozen times in the last it, week. It does so. surprise me that you like the song. It doesn't seem like a song you would really like. Really? Yeah. Because I'm like more of a rock and roll snob kind of a guy. Yeah. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, no. Part of me likes that whole new wave thing and that kind of like that sassy flirty little waitresses sound just always appealed to me. So yeah, this is a good song. Uh, anything else? Not a ton of, <laughs> there's not a lot to talk about when you're talking about certain yeah. particular obscure well, I don't know how obscure it is yeah, it's kind of obscure 80s song but uh yeah um that's 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 our number 3 number 2 Number two is from my favorite 80s band, U2. Merry Christmas, baby, please come home. So this is from um, from 1987, and um, it came from the album A Very Special Christmas, which was uh, they raised funds for Special Olympics. And um, this was a... Uh, uh, again, it's one of those songs that I never have gotten tired of. Uh, that whole very special Christmas album was very good. That's so you've heard "Little Drummer Boy" by Bob Seger. I saw "Mommy Kissing Santa Claus" by John Cougar, Melon Camp, um, and then "Do You Hear What I Hear" by Whitney Houston was a huge hit. All those came off the same album. So some of these songs that we hear all the time um, are, you know, from here. So, Kayla, what are your feelings on this song? Better than the Waitress's song? No. No? You don't like this one either? I like this song. It, they didn't sing it originally, though, did they? Uh, no. No. See, I like the original better. Do you really? The original plays in Home Alone 2, and so it reminds me of that movie. I'm sorry. Okay. I do, I, I, I do like it. No, you're I allowed like to not like it. Better. It's okay. <laughs> I just like the Darling Love. Is that who sings it? Yes. Yeah. That, I like it better. Yeah. And she used to sing this on the David Letterman show every year. He would oh. have her come out and sing the song. Um, like at, at the end of the show, whichever 
his last show before Christmas, she would always do that. So it's kind of a tradition. But yeah, this, I mean, again, you two, this was kind of at the peak of their powers. Uh, this was, um, this was uh, around the Joshua Tree time. And, uh, you know, they were the biggest band in the world at that time. And so um, for me being a fan, of course, I just geeked out when, it, when I heard this song. Like I heard this song first on this album. Of course, like I probably slammed the brakes on my car, pulled into the Camelot <laughs> record store and ran in and gave them my money so I could buy the tape. <laughs> so, so you like this probably, version better. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. not nothing wrong with Darlene Love's version. And uh, there's been a couple other versions I like too, but uh, this one is just, you know, it's you too. So it's yeah. kind of hard for me to, to not like that era of U2 music. So yeah, yeah, good stuff. So, all right. Since Kayla obviously is not a big fan of this song. We'll <laughs> I on. like this song. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So, all right. So that's our number two song. Uh, means we only got one left. Number one. The mood is right. The spirit's up. We're here tonight. And that's enough. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. So here's another song that not everybody loves, I don't think. But I do. To me, this song ushers in the Christmas season. I, I, I'm such a, such a nerd. I... <laughs> When I go to listen to Christmas music, when I actually agree that it is time to listen to Christmas music, I'll put this song on first. Always? Always. It's the first no one I listen to. Every single time. So you would say this is your favorite Christmas song? Yes. Oh, wow. Oof. Wonderful Christmas Time by Paul McCartney. Now, my friend Sean Gill does not like this song. He thinks it's mm -hmm. crap. He mentioned it on... Uh, on the uh, uh, on another page that we're on, Video Killed the Radio Star. We're on that page together. And uh, he had mentioned how much he hates the synthesizer in it. And, hey, Linda, look, I got a new synthesizer. <laughs> and uh, I just love it. It just sounds so festive and celebratory and Christmas time. And it's just so cheesy. I just can't can't get enough of it. No, I see. This is another one I'm not... See, Do you I even also, like Christmas music? This is the thing. I am very traditional. I love Bing Crosby and Nat King Cole and you know, Frank Sinatra. What'd you say? Can't sing. They're hacks. They can't sing. <laughs> I can. So, I can. That is Christmas I love those to guys me. too. This is so that is Christmas music to me. Oh, okay. I do like this song. It is very low on my list of Christmas songs that I like though. I agree. It's very synthesizing, and is that a word? Yeah. Synthesizing. It makes you want to dance and, and so, wrap Christmas presents. Lorelai, my my seven year old daughter, she loves this song. She of course she does. She's a very smart you. girl and very wise for her <laughs> she's age. She's very she's very cheery. That's why she I is. think. And she, uh, is. she this song comes on now, and she just like you know bobs her head, and I love this song. For me, I'm just like I give or take. But you know what? If it were gone, I would probably miss it. Of course you would, because it's awesome. 
So um, way back um, in 1997, uh, VH1 played like 24 hours of Christmas music, which was actually probably about eight hours that they repeated three times. But but I recorded on a VHS videotape um, this Christmas music. And every year at when I would be up late on Christmas Eve, we would listen what these videos are playing while we're wrapping presents and getting ready for Christmas and stuff. And so this song, you know, I loved it before then, but like this song now just reminds me of wrapping presents because every year I did that. So maybe that's why I like it. That's so pretty much. cool. Yeah. And I've got my own Christmas mix playlist on um, YouTube that has this song on it as well. So, you know, not everybody loves this song. Um, it's nostalgia for you. It is for me. Yes. And I, I, Maybe if it didn't have that nostalgia attached to it, I wouldn't love it so much, but it does play a big part in yeah. in that. So, That's okay, Kayla, so here's the question. We, we've gone through our countdown and stuff. Um, you talked about Bing Crosby and Nat King Cole and stuff. All right, what would you say is like your favorite Christmas song, regardless of 80s, 90s, whatever, and who sings that version of that song that you love the most? It's called The Christmas Song by Nat King Cole. Oh, yes. That is my all-time Chestnuts favorite. Chestnuts Roasting by an Open Fire. That's yes. It. That is a great one. Johnny Mathis also does a very great version of that song. No, see, uh, I, it's, no it's, other it's version not, is as good. Oh, well, I didn't say it's as good. I said you did a very good version. Okay. Nat King Cole is the, is the one you got to measure that song by. Yes. But Johnny Mathis does a very good version, which is like the first version of that song I heard was Johnny Mathis because my parents played that record over and over again at Christmas time. <laughs> so that's the version I heard first. But Nat King Cole definitely does the best version of that song. Yeah. Um, and we were. she asked me the other night, like, well, what is your favorite traditional Christmas song? And um and I, I had to, to really think. And and mine was uh, There's No Place Like Home for the Holidays by Harry Como. <laughs> That's a good song. It's a very good song. It, it that sounds festive. Of, of trying to travel home for Christmas. But then you know, the true meaning of Christmas, as we all know, is the birth of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think a lot of times it gets lost in, in the wrapping paper and the presents and the movies and stuff and and you know again i told you guys early on um doing this podcast that that i'm unashamedly a a born-again christian i love i love god with all my heart and and jesus is my savior so I'm, i'm not afraid or ashamed to say that at all um but i do love that other part of christmas that celebratory part um, so my, my favorite, um, traditional song is Oh Holy Night. Uh, several people have done it and, uh, this will surprise this audience probably, but my favorite version of that is from Sync. <laughs> <laughs> they just, they do it a cappella, and it just sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of, of good, good Christmas music. I love I love Amy Grant singing Tennessee Christmas. 
<laughs> so, oh, yeah, that's one of the like, best Christmas albums. Oh, it sure is. Both both of her first two Christmas albums are amazing. They're yeah. very good. And so those of you guys that know me and know the music that I kind of listen to and we talk about on this podcast and stuff would probably not put me together with some of that stuff. But Christmas music, all the rules are out the door. Yeah. I don't I don't really want to hear um uh Twisted Sister Christmas. <laughs> they made Could a Christmas album. Huh? I said it could be good. It, uh, not to me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that to my Christmas music. I'll, <laughs> I'll listen to you later. <laughs> but, but during Christmas, I, I, you know, that's a very special time of the year. And that's probably yeah. why I criticize all my friends that, like you and Krista that put your tree and Wendy uh, <laughs> McDaniel. You guys put your Christmas trees up. Sharon Tabor. I mean, you guys are not Sharon. Linda. Linda and Tabor. Yeah. Sharon Tabor is somebody that, that traded her name in for Nelson many, many years ago. <laughs> so yeah, some of you guys will do your Christmas tree way too early for me. Um, you guys do it. You love it. And that's great. But uh, I think one of the reasons I, I do love Christmas so much is because I guard that time in my own mind because I have everything for me has to have a category or I'm just all over the place. So. <laughs> all right. So I, I think I, that is it for the podcast. Do you have anything else you, you want to say or talk about or anything? Merry Christmas. Yeah. So <laughs> Kayla, thank you so much. I love you. Thank you. I love you too. And I am beyond thrilled that we got to spend this time together and do this podcast. And I'm going to cherish this recording of this thing the rest of my life. No, thank you, daddy. I love you. All right. I love you too. Hey, have a great day. You all. And uh, next week, we'll be back. Um, I'll, I will have Aaron Benner and Jason Peitzmeyer with me. And we're going to be talking about our favorite Christmas toys of the 80s. Ooh. Now, as you know, I was not a child in the 80s. So I don't know how much I will be contributing to this conversation <laughs> other than making fun of those two big nerds for the toys they still play with today. <laughs> so, all right, guys, thank you again. Uh, take care, and we'll see you next time. They want you to say the blessing.